0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It is Tuesday. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Hopefully you're feeling the love today. Maybe not from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are frustrating you with their offensive coordinator search. But we'll have the latest on that. Plus, my gift to you a new Pewter Report Bucks mock draft version 2.0. And that's coming out uh, literally in just a minute. You know, we're going to be publishing that soon here on pewterreport.com. We'll put that in the chat. And we're going to be talking about all of the different selections I got in our second version of the Bucks mock draft from Pewter Report. And listen, um, hopefully this will cheer you up a little bit. Uh, as you see there, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, the playmaking cornerback, he is the first pick as it stands right now. And listen, it's not exactly um, – the easiest mock draft to do. These first two of the year have been incredibly difficult, probably the most difficult that I've had in my 10 year here at Put Report entering year 28. Why? Because there are 23 undrafted free I'm sorry, unrestricted free agents soon to be unrestricted free agents on this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. Plus you're going to have some salary cap casualties that are coming into the mix as well. And that's going to create even more holes for this roster. So a lot of players that may not be back in Tampa Bay this year. And as a result, who are they going to pick number one? The Buccaneers don't even have a clue right now because of the holes on the roster. They only have one quarterback on the roster. That's Kyle Trask. What are they going to do there? Are they going to get a free agent quarterback into the mix? I'm sure they will. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, uh, you've got. Trask as the only starter right now, and I don't know that this is exactly the quarterback class that you want to find a a new signal caller in. There's four quarterbacks that will be drafted in the first round, probably all out of the reach by the time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select at number 19. So we'll have to see, but we've got the mock draft on tap, plus we've got the latest with the offensive coordinator search, as you probably know. Todd Munkin has joined the Baltimore Ravens as their offensive coordinator. Can't blame Todd. I texted with him today. And, uh, you know, it was a situation where he really could not come to Tampa Bay with this with the quarterback situation the way it is and the uncertainty. Uh, when you're looking at John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens, it doesn't get any more uh Secure there with the job security that he has. Oh, and by the way, there's Lamar Jackson probably going to either be franchised or signed to an extension. So, who would you rather have as your quarterback if you're Todd Munkin, Lamar Jackson or Kyle Trask? So, I'm going to ask Matt Matera that. Matt Matera back on the Pewter Report podcast with us. How are you doing today, Matt?
1: I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be back on the show after a, a brief two day hiatus. Great to be talking to you again, Scott. Uh, to answer your question, would you rather have a quarterback that you literally have no idea who's going to be the starter because one team needs to figure that out or another guy that is a former MVP wants the biggest contract because he feels he's earned it. And he's at least put himself in the conversation to do that. And if he stays fully healthy, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league that Todd Munkin has shown, he can work with almost anyone, whether it's Jameis Winston, whether it's Stetson Bennett, Todd Munkin, all he needs is talent around him and he will make it work. And I think there's no question, understandably so, why he would choose Lamar Jackson over an unproven Kyle Trask or maybe a veteran stopgap quarterback or right. maybe a rookie quarterback.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there, Matt. And so here the, the carousel continues to turn right for the offensive coordinator yep. positions. We'll get into Peter Report's mock draft, the second version of it. But first, let's talk about some some news, right? We've got Uh, We've got Dave Canales, the Seahawks quarterbacks coach. He's coming in for his interview and the Buccaneers, well, you know, they're looking to find maybe another Geno Smith type quarterback in free agency, just in case Kyle Trask doesn't pan out. Is that a guy like, like Baker Mayfield or Mm -hmm. a guy like Jacoby Brissett, a veteran who has been a journeyman that could finally, you know, turn the career around and, and live up to the potential and, and Dave Canales certainly was a part of that, Matt, in Seattle this past season, really uh, turning Geno Smith not just into the comeback player of the year in the NFL, but also a pro bowler for the first time in his career.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. If you want a coach that knows how to revive the career of a player, then uh, Dave Canales is your guy. I also do like the fact that he he has more than just one iteration of, hey, i I fixed Geno Smith. He, he also worked with Russell Wilson. And I understand mm-hmm. Russell Wilson had his transgression since leaving the Seahawks and playing for the Broncos last year. But when you look at the Bucs' situation at quarterback, they pretty much have three options. Either you go with Kyle Trask, you draft a rookie, or you go for the veteran, whether it's Derek Carr, Jacoby Brissett, on and on. We've talked about all of these yeah. guys. So I like the fact that if the Bucs decide to go the veteran route with a Carr or – some of the other guys we we've talked about on the show. He has a proven track record with the fact that he worked with Russell Wilson. He was responsible Mm -hmm. for multiple years that Russell Wilson made the pro bowl. Not every single, I believe Russell Wilson's made nine. He's been there for a majority of that though. And then of course, if they go with the Baker Mayfield or they decide to kick the tires on Kyle Trask, Canellis has that background as well, where it's a guy that is either unproven or his career has non got for the better and he can work and and fix that guy as well. I guess one thing that would be a little, for lack of a better term, alarming is he's only been with Pete Carroll and that coaching staff right. in the NFL. He's only been at Seattle and he's been there a very long time. So credit yeah. to him, but that obviously speaks to the success that overall Seattle was Seattle has had in the Pete Carroll era. I am just a little curious, He's going somewhere completely different. He's mostly been a West Coast guy. He was at USC for a year as well. So right. strength and conditioning coach. Now he's going to the East Coast. I'm not saying it's going to be the biggest transition of all time. Yeah. But, you know, that, that that does something that does stick out to me, at least a little bit, that, all right, well, maybe he's going to a new system. How does he work with other coaches? This is clearly him getting out of his comfort range, not just being an offensive coordinator if he right. gets the job, but working with. New voices around him that, um, you know, he, he doesn't really have too much of a background with.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the quarterbacks that the Buccaneers probably won't be dealing with this year, and certainly in free agency, is Derek Carr. He just got released by the Las Vegas Raiders. Among the teams interested in Carr, obviously the New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers would be another one, as well as the Tennessee Titans. So those are the three teams believed to be the front runners for Carr. Uh, you know, Derek Carr is certainly the best name out there, probably the best quarterback available with a proven track record. Uh, you know, I, I would be curious to see what he would do in Tampa. It's not in the cards. The Buccaneers, you know, Matt, paying $35 million this year for, for Tom Brady, who's not going to play it down. And that's what we've heard the Buccaneers plan on doing is, is absorbing all of that cap hit this year, the $35 million for Tom Brady, and, and what that does is that will free up cap room in 2024 and really kind of reset this team's salary cap. And really, they kind of need to, Matt, because you look at some of the contracts coming up, Tristan Wirfs, yep. Devin White, Antoine Winfield. All those mm-hmm. guys have been to at least one Pro Bowl. They're going to want to have some salary cap money available, not just to, re, to re-sign those players to extensions, but to also go out and, and sign some big free agents in 2024 and beyond, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I I like the move of the sign to just pony up and and pay for it right now versus continuously kicking the can down the road. They kicked the can down the road, but now the can has landed and it's time to pick it up and uh, and throw it out. I think I want to ask you this, Scott, because the the issue that I think we're all running into with the team and finding the next quarterback and why offensive coordinators don't want to come to Tampa is the, is the uncertainty of if this team doesn't succeed this year and Todd Bowles is out of a job, well then you just uprooted your life for one season and then you got to find another job right away. But I'm curious as to this, knowing that the situation that the Bucs are in right now where Brady left, you're not going to find an exact replacement. It's Tom Brady. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. But what if, Todd Bowles is able to rally the group together and they have a somewhat similar year to this past season where they yeah. either go eight and nine or they're contending for the division the whole time. Shout out, Greg. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, one team in Matera, but that's okay. Um, if he gets to that eight and nine record, I know that's not what Bucks fans want to hear, they right. want to see double digit wins, but if you can at least keep them together for one more year, doesn't almost benefit the Glazers in the front office to say. All right, you exceeded our expectations or maintained our expectation knowing the situation that they're in. Because you got to yeah. have a little bit of a realistic look at it. If they were to go eight and nine again, something similar, do you at least give Todd Bowles one more year instead of just breaking it down all over again? bringing in another offensive coordinator, or another coach. I'm just curious what you think.
0: Well, I think it really depends on how that looks, right? Is, is do the Buccaneers start off slow with the quarterback situation and it gets settled. They go on a run at the end of the season. There's some momentum. Um, just knowing the lasers and keep in mind the lasers, they have cut Tony Dungy. They fire Tony Dungy after three straight playoff appearances in 1999, 2000, and 2001. Now, the Bucks felt like they had developed a Super Bowl-winning roster, at least on the defensive side, and Dungey was just kind of stalling out with his offensive coordinator hires because in each one of those years, 99, 2000, 2001, he had three different offensive coordinators, Mike Shula, Les Steckel, and Clyde Christensen in 2001, mm-hmm. and they just couldn't get past the Eagles in the first round. But keep in mind, the Laziers fired Tony Dungey, the man who turned around the franchise – after three straight playoff appearances, they also fired John Gruden after winning the division in, ni- in 2007, winning the division in 2005, and, of course, the Super Bowl in 2002. They traded a multi- multitude of, of first and second round picks for him. They gave the, the Raiders, I think, 8 to $10 million in cash for the right to Gruden. And just after a 2007 uh, NFC South championship team, although it was with a 9-7 and seven record— the Bucks started off the next year in 2008 with a nine and three record, Matt. They were yeah. cruising to another NFC South title. All of a sudden, Monty Kiffin decides to to uh leave and join his son Lane Kiffin at Tennessee at the end of the season. But once word got, you know, the the, the word got out, it derailed the Bucks defense and they lost four straight games. And then they ended up firing not just John Gruden, who they had given a four-year contract extension to. Earlier that offseason, but also Bruce Allen, the general manager. So I'm not putting anything past the Glazers. They res- they reserve the right to change their mind. They can tell Todd Bowles and even Jay Slide one thing. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take our lumps this year with the salary cap and we're gonna have to kind of stomach the quarterback situation. We'll we'll see about Trask. But in 2024, you know, we'll have a better idea of what's happening. They reserve the right to change their mind. They could tell them that. And then if things go south, in 2023, they could just decide to change their mind and go a different direction. But I think that in order for the Lasers to feel good about Todd Bowles, this team has to go nine and eight or better, and has to probably, if not win the NFC South, if they're ten and seven, you know, and they finish second in the division but miss the playoffs, I, I think you could say that there's enough improvement that the the, the arrow's pointing up. If if they win 10 games without Tom Brady, Matt, it tells me two yeah. things. they f- they found a quarterback, whether it's Trask or some Geno Smith type free agent, and they made the right choice at of offensive coordinator. I but I think that Bowles has to either win the South again or at least go nine and eight, show some sort of improvement for him to see 2024 as the Tampa Bay head coach.
1: And I also think that there's an element of maybe learn from your previous mistakes. Like after you fired Gruden, you went over a decade without making the postseason. So once again, as you said before, Scott, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And obviously Todd Bowles doesn't have the exact track record as a head coach to, to back that up. But you know what you have right now? Yeah. And
0: you know, I just you think know, you know if they're
1: able to maintain it, you know, if, if they crap the bed and they go, yeah. you know, they have a four win season, then yes, I understand it. There's no defending it at right. that. I'm just saying you got to look through the the ideal lens of there's no more Tom Brady. Right. You have a brand new quarterback to expect an 11-12 win season. Yeah, that's This isn't ridiculous. realistic. Right. It's just it, not yeah, realistic. And yeah. I don't care if it's Todd Bowles. I don't care if it's Andy Reid. Congrats to the Chiefs on winning the Super Bowl. Yep. I don't care if it's Sean Payton. You just – none of those coaches are going to – get. Bill Parcells come out of retirement. Right. He's not going to get that box team to 12 wins unless they really figure out who the quarterback coordinator is. So yeah, that's really all I was curious when it came to that.
0: Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you uh, a, a, a question here about Derek Carr. Do you think that – is Derek Carr a threat to the Buccaneers? Like are you concerned if you're Tampa Bay, if he goes to – if he picks Carolina – Or if he picks the Saints and you're facing them in the division. And while you're thinking about that, you should always pick Celsius when it comes to your energy drink of choice. Well, why? I'll tell you why. There's no sugar in Celsius. That means there's no sugar crash later on. You get all of the fantastic flavor. Maybe you're trying the new Fantasy Vibe, which has got the sparkling Mandarin orange and marshmallow taste. Or the sparkling Lemon Lime, which is one of my new favorites. Celsius gives you the energy you need without the sugar crash. Where can you find Celsius? Go to Amazon.com. I've got a couple of cases coming my way because I use the subscribe and save option. I save the money, and they deliver Celsius right to your door. Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. All right, make then.
1: sure you check it out. Yeah. To what are your
0: thoughts? Are you afraid of Derek Carr if if he is a New Orleans Saint or a Carolina Panthers, and you're facing him? If you're the Tampa Bay defense twice a year.
1: To say that I would be afraid of Derek Carr, I would say no. But what I would say is that he has my attention because the odds are, and we said it before, that for the NFC South right now, with all these teams stand, all these teams stand, if you have the best quarterback, you are putting yourself a step or two or even three ahead of all the other teams around there. And if Derek Carr goes to the Saints, or the Panthers. They have the best quarterback. So, yep. I think that is obviously something that's really important. I still believe that the Saints obviously the wide receivers aren't too great, but you know, they ha- still have a lot of talent on that defense. They got right. Alvin Kamara. Um I still don't think even though the the Bucks beat the Saints twice last year, I don't totally think that they're like absolutely out of the woods just yet just because right. they beat the Saints twice last year in a down year. So if they figure out their quarterback situation, New Orleans is a threat again. Not a Super Bowl threat, but definitely a threat to win the division. Carolina, I love their defense. I love what they do with that group. They held on to Brian Burns. Uh, They got some young players in the secondary. They have no one else on offense, so I don't know exactly who You know, Derek Carr is going to throw to besides DJ Moore. Yeah, I just wonder.
0: I just wonder if if the appeal there is playing for Frank Wright, right? If if yeah, that's that's the draw. Is hey, I'm going to get you some weapons. You got DJ Moore, right? And uh, you know, um, a a nice one-two punch at running back. It's not the greatest running back tandem in the league, but it's serviceable, right? And Dante Foreman and uh, and Chuba Hubbard. So Mm -hmm. I just wonder, like, if that's the appeal there. And then with the Saints, I, I who knows if Michael Thomas will play again for them. You've got Kamara, who's kind of aging and yeah. I think has lost a little bit of the shine off his star. But Chris Olave is no joke. He's he's a really good player. Um, but you know what, Matt? I, I kind of go back to the thing with Derek Carr is last year he had Devontae Adams, his, his college receiver at Fresno State, one of the best receivers in the game, a pro bowler. You got a Pro Bowler in, in tight end in, in Darren Waller. You've got another good receiver in, in Hunter Renfro. Who you know when you when you look at the attention that Waller and a Devontae Adams are going to get, you've got Hunter Renfro that that can make some catches and move the chains and get the first downs. You got a, a Pro Bowl running back in Josh Jacobs. You got Kenyon Drake also coming out of the backfield. And if you can only win six games with that lineup, I don't know, man. I don't think that the Saints or or the Panthers certainly. Don't have the firepower that, that the Raiders did.
1: No, that's absolutely fair. Especially the connection with Devonte Adams. Darren Waller was injured a lot last year, so yeah. I, I don't I don't think you could really throw him into the mix. But I absolutely hear what you were saying. If there's anybody that Derek Carr was going to make it work with, it was going right. to be Devontae <laughs> Adams, his his you know good friend, a college teammate, as you said. So, yeah. it, you know, you can look at it as maybe. Working with Josh McDaniels didn't necessarily fit with him, and someone like Frank Reich maybe could get a little bit more out of him than than right. McDaniels did. Or I don't really necessarily know about New Orleans. De- Dennis Allen isn't a uh, isn't a QB whisperer by any means. So right. yeah, there's a lot of different components into it. I also do think, and there's no really way to measure this, but Derek Carr's leaving with a bad taste in his mouth from yeah. Las Vegas. Sometimes a fresh start is really what is all you need. Uh, yep. For Derek Carr. So maybe he gets that uh, onto his next move, whether it's in the NFC South or or somewhere else. It's definitely very exciting because outside of Aaron Rodgers going into his uh, deprivation chamber or the, the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure what he's doing. He's like going on a blackout for four days. Outside of that, Derek Carr is the most coveted quarterback. So there will be a lot of headlines about him.
0: Yeah, exactly. We have a couple Super Chats to get to. Uh, let's let's take a look at, at some of those, Matt. We appreciate our Super Chats. We had some great ones yesterday uh, while I was doing the show, and we've got a couple lined up today. So thank you, Pewter People, for your Super Chats. Uh, we love you guys. Let's see here. Do you have one queued up here, Matt? Uh,
1: yes, I do. We have, if my laptop will load...
0: There we go. I got one. All right. Let's talk. Let's uh, get one from Brandon here. Uh, he's got a $5 super chat. Uh, I know they have a lot of needs, but if Zay Flowers falls to num- number 19, can the Bucks afford to pass him up? Wide receiver three makes such a difference in this offense. Yeah, we actually had Zay Flowers in our first mock draft for the Buccaneers. He is the, the I think, Antonio Brown-esque type wide receiver out of Boston College. Reminds me a lot of, of Tyler Lockett, too. But he was at Kansas State coming out. Now he's had a great career with the Seahawks. I don't think they're going to keep Russell Gage. I think we're, I think pretty much all of the guys that we have said are going to be salary cap casualties, Matt. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Cam Brate, Russell Gage. I, I At this point, I think that they're going to cut Donovan Smith. I don't know that to be wow. fact. This is my speculation. But I'm just telling you, he's going to be 30 years old this year. He's coming off of his worst season in the NFL following his best season in the NFL. Mm. And before that he was up and down, right. As, as a a left tackle for the Buccaneers. So if he hasn't gotten it by now, and I know he went through, you know, a personal, uh, you know, torment last year with, with a lot of off the field issues, none of which were really involving him, just people around him. Um, but can you trust this guy who's going to, he's going to turn 30, he's in a contract year, uh, or, Can you move Tristan Wirfs to left tackle and insert Luke Gedeke at right tackle? Mm -hmm. It's interesting, but the Buccaneers organization, they agree with pro football focus that Luke Gedeke actually had his best game last year as a rookie at right tackle, which is where he played it at central Michigan. So maybe it's time to not keep trying to put the square peg in the round hole and just say, you know what? The guy was a second round talent. He was a starter at, at central Michigan at right tackle. Let's, play him at right tackle, move Tristan to to left where, you know, he probably has got the athleticism. He played a couple of games at left tackle at Iowa, Matt. Um, You know, maybe, maybe that's what you do is, is you, you, you free up some, some cap room and, and, uh, and now without a guy like Russell Gage, you need another wide receiver Mm -hmm. who can make plays opposite Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, like Zay Flowers.
1: It, it does feel as if you're going to pay the Piper anyway with the with the Tom Brady cap hit, as, as we talked about before. Yeah. Then you might as well just kind of go all in with the, you know, save some money here, <laughs> make your payments um, over there. So it'll be really interesting about Donovan Smith. But Zay Flowers, yeah. he is so much fun to watch. I mean, he really yeah. is Antonio Brown uh, from the way that he runs routes from the way that he can make people miss when he's got the ball in his hands. He's a very exciting player. So Russell Gage would be the guy that yeah you might as well save some money with. He wasn't an impact player. He scored a lot of touchdowns, but a lot of his touchdowns, he had the very clutch one against the Packers early on in the season that yeah. would have tied the game up if the Bucs had gotten the two-point conversion. But outside of that, a lot of his touchdowns, if you go back and watch the games, I mean, they were in blowouts. They were you know, late fourth quarter when the game was kind of already done. Yeah. So they just need explosiveness. All right. They're, yeah. they're really missing it. Mike Evans is a down the field player who's quicker than I think people realize because he's got long strides. Chris yeah. Godwin trying to get fully 100% from the ACL. We'll see more explosive Chris Godwin this season, but they just need speed, speed, and a lot of it. So
0: right.
1: get any type of exciting explosive player. That is possible. The only issue with Zay Flowers, Scott, and you talk about this a lot, is you know the area that he played in, there's a team called the New England Patriots yeah. that I think are very well, well aware of what he's done. And yeah. at the East-West Shrine Bowl, the Patriots had their wide receivers coaches there, and I'm sure they yeah. kept a pretty close eye on him.
0: Yeah, and and they've, they've really struggled to find some wide receivers up there, not even <laughs> oh, recently, but, but just yeah. with under Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, Julian Edelman. I mean, there's I, I can't think of another wide receiver – in the last 10 drafted, years, yeah. it's panned out that they've drafted. You're right. So, so they might just decide to do that to give Mac Jones, a playmaker up there. Uh Buck's basement with a $5 super chat, Matt.
1: Thank you, Buck's basement. Uh, he says, or she says, let's be real. Brady is the only reason this team had eight wins without Brady. They lose every comeback game they had. So I've made this point, Buck's basement. I, I agree to a degree with your comment and this was more about when people during the season towards the end of the year when you know we put out those those polls about would you want Tom Brady back next season and there's a contingency of people that yeah. said no and really all the the point that i was trying to make was that the bucks don't get those comeback wins against the rams against the saints if it's not for tom brady if you want right. to say tom brady didn't play as well as he did the first two years, I'm not going to argue with you there. That's absolutely true. But that doesn't mean that he held the Bucs back. There are a lot of other reasons why the Bucs only had eight wins this season, and I don't really think Tom Brady was one of them. Maybe this is all a moot point now because he's not playing next year anyway, but I think a lot of the comebacks, Tom Brady spearheaded it, but that's also why the Bucs are looking for a new offensive coordinator.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's not just Brady because I I think – with Brady and a better offensive coordinator or better talent around him. I mean, let's, you know, we're beating a dead horse here, but it's the truth. He had Ryan Jensen and Ali Marpet and Alex Kappa blocking for him in that interior. That, that whole interior was gone this year. Plus you didn't have Gronk. and You didn't have a B that's, that's a lot of star power that left the Buccaneers offense this year. And, you know, Byron Leffitt just couldn't figure it out. So uh, Zay flowers, uh, Uh, I love him in the first round folks. I'm, I'm telling you right now, you need to give, you need to cut us some slack on our first couple mocks because (laughs) we have no idea what the team is doing right now. And you know what? Neither does the team because there are holes aplenty until they start re-signing some of their free agents and, and, and add a quarterback and pick an offensive coordinator. We don't know which direction this team is going to go in. Uh, We should remind you that, that, uh, uh, Looks like you know Thomas Brown is maybe still in the mix uh, with with the Colts, looking to um have Shane uh, uh, the new head coach uh, Zastainham. How do you pronounce his name?
1: Uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought I thought you had it correct.
0: Okay, all right. Well, so he's going to be uh, calling his own plays there. Frank Reich is going to be calling the plays, I believe, in Carolina. So it might be a situation where, where Thomas Brown, the assistant head coach and tight ends coach of the Rams, you know maybe he emerges as a front runner. Maybe David Canales' interview goes really well today. Um, Scotty Montgomery, the former East Carolina head coach, and he was just hired as, as the, the, uh, the Detroit Lions running backs coach yeah. and assistant head coach there about six days ago. And so he's in the mix now. So the Buccaneers approaching ten interviews now in terms of of, uh, of candidates. So we'll see who they end up picking. But uh, speaking of picking, uh, let's let's turn our attention now to the mock draft here, Matt. Uh, the the first player that we've got the Buccaneers picking, and you know I, I'm I'm not exactly sold on Emmanuel Forbes only because I like bigger physical cornerbacks.
1: As do the Bucks.
0: As do the Bucs. At the same time, though, this team is just desperate for interceptions, Matt. They had 10 interceptions last year as a former defensive back. That has got to be driving Todd Bowles crazy. And, Matt, what did we hear last offseason during the OTAs from Antoine Winfield, from cornerbacks coach uh, Kevin Ross, from, from safeties coach, uh, what's uh, Nick, uh, Nick Rapone, Yeah, from 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 everybody that we heard, what was the the mantra in the off season? It the was Bucks all about need to more,
1: was, all get more, yeah, get more turnovers, more interceptions. Turnovers, I, I mean, they they had they had like a a team bet <laughs> between like the corners and the safeties who was going yeah. to have more interceptions, and they might as well just cancel the bets because no one was really obtaining the interceptions in the first place. I yeah. still remember. Talking to Kevin Ross at a press conference uh, right around OTAs, the time you mentioned, and I said, Carlton Davis, coverage-wise, he's an all-pro. How close is he to being an all-pro? Do you think yeah. he, that he is? And he said he is. If he could just get his damn hands on the ball more. Maybe he said right. hands on the damn ball more. Yeah. But nonetheless, they knew the goal. They knew the objective. And how many times did we see Carlton Davis drop interceptions last year? Oh, yeah. How many times did we think that they turned the corner? Like after that first Saints game in week two, when Mike Edwards had the pick six, and then out of nowhere, it was just gone. The interceptions did not come back. So well, I do like the. I, yeah, go ahead.
0: Here's a crazy stat. You mentioned in that Saints game, there were three interceptions in that game two by Jamel Dean, his only two of the year. Yeah. One by Mike Edwards, which was a pick six. And the year, or the, sorry, the week before, we had Anton Winfield have an interception. So the Buccaneers in the first two weeks of the season had four interceptions, Matt. Mm-hmm. They had six the rest of the season. That's Ugh. crazy, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's not ideal. And like the one interception Carlton did have, it came off of a tip. Right. Uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was the Bengals The Bengals, when he had yeah. the interception. Yeah, it came yeah. off a tip, so even he couldn't drop that one.
0: Right, so Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Mike Edwards. Each had two interceptions. That was it. The and- Buccaneers didn't have any interceptions outside of their secondary. No linebackers, no outside linebackers. You know, Shaq Barrett's had one before. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually had a couple, I think, last year. Um, but no interceptions outside of the secondary. So what you're going to get with a player like uh, Emmanuel Forbes, he does need to gain some some weight. He has to be does need to be a better tackler. He needs to be a little bit more physical in the run but the guy is an absolute interception machine. He had 14 career interceptions in three years at Mississippi state, including five as a starter opposite uh, Martin um, Emerson, who, if you remember the Browns game, did a great job on Mike Evans. He was one of the the players I really liked for the Buccaneers last year at the cornerback position, but Forbes had five interceptions, including three pick sixes as a freshman and then in 2021, had three interceptions and a forced fumble. And then last year, six interceptions, including three more pick sixes. So this guy is just around the ball, kind of like mm-hmm. he's got some Rondé Barber-esque just ability to, to be where the ball is. Now, sometimes that doesn't always matter, right? Because if you look at Zion McCullum, he had plenty of interceptions too at Sam Houston State. Yeah. and we haven't seen him really amount to anything yet. He had a a very challenging rookie year on the defensive side, played well in special teams as a gunner, but he really has to develop. It's a big jump right from Sam Houston to the NFL. Uh, Forbes, you know, he's gone up against LSU wide receivers, Georgia receivers, Alabama receivers, and he's not a finished product. His frame's going to remind you a little bit of sauce Gardner, uh, just in terms of his skinniness and lankiness, Mm. not as tall. He's only six foot um but the guy does have some ball skills he's a good zone corner he can anticipate read and break on the ball he's got good speed and i know that mississippi state has produced the likes of jonathan banks before and a couple I, yeah. others that i have to say i liked, out.
1: i like the comparison you made to to jonathan banks obviously uh, a former player uh, in tampa bay and um I, I do. Yeah. Just looking at him, the one thing I love the turnovers. I mean, you have to yeah. love the amount of turnovers and it's one thing when you're doing it in the sec for Mississippi state, like he did, it's another yeah. when you're in the division that Simon Con was in. Right. But because of that lankiness and the size, I'm not saying I don't like him and right. I like his athleticism, but it's one of those things where I think he might almost, it's not going to be a red shirt year, obviously, if you're a first yeah. round pick, but Just like the second year is where you're really going to see the true improvement when he's able to like bulk up physically. Maybe we'll say the same thing about Logan Hall, a different position, obviously, but he needs to get bigger. So that's like kind of the one thing that stands out for me with Forbes. ton of interceptions, but maybe year two is when you really see the the return on the investment.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Clack five white. uh, I'd rather take Brian Branch so Winfield can get out of the slot. He plays every defensive back spot on defense. I love Brian Branch, yes, the Alabama safety. I mean, he is, he is an absolute dream come true for me. He is honestly, in my opinion, the second coming of Antoine Winfield. Those two are just about interchangeable. Uh, I was high on, on Brian Branch even before Alabama destroyed my Kansas State Wildcats in, <laughs> in the Sugar Bowl. And in that game, Matt, I think he had 12 tackles, 10 solo. One interception and a sack. He was a one-man gang at safety. That's hard to do. It's hard for a safety to take over a game. But I love Brian Branch. I don't see how he makes it to 19. Now, if Jason Light wants to trade up to get him, to get Todd Bowles another starting caliber safety, I'm all for it. I love Brian Branch. But I want to try to be realistic. I don't think Brian Branch will be there at number 19. So that's the pick. In the second round, Matt, you and I got a chance to see this guy at the Senior Bowl. Steve Avila, the TCU massive guard, 6'4", 330. You would think with that size, he would be a road grader in the run game. It's not quite there yet, but man, this guy is a moving wall as a pass protector.
1: Yeah, it was really fun to watch him at the Senior Bowl because I, I one of my favorite events to watch during practice at the Senior Bowl is the one-on-ones, whether it's linebackers against running backs and pass blocking or vice versa, and then obviously the defensive line and the offensive line. I do tend to think that when you see the O-line against the D-line one-on-one, it tends to favor the defensive line a little bit more because if you're blocking with every offensive lineman on the line of scrimmage, you know there's times guys bang into each other. You kind of know that they're not going to stunt one way or the other where you're just flat out on an island, but Avila was – a stone statue in terms of as soon as he engaged with a defender, that guy wasn't moving one way or another. And it's important for offensive linemen to to mirror the opponent as well, yeah. the rusher, maybe a little bit more for tackle than guard. But uh, he won a lot of his matchups. And just winning the one-on-ones isn't the end-all, be-all of everything. As you mentioned, needs to get better in the run game. And the Bucks as a whole team need to get better in the run game. Yeah. So that's obviously something to really look at. I'm just curious because there's so many hats in the ring at the moment with the interior offensive line. If the Bucks would go this early with a yeah, you know, second round I pick a guard. I just
0: have a feeling, Matt, that mm-hmm. that we're going to see Luke Getekee at at right tackle and and Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. I just something is just telling me that that could be in the works. I, I don't think that that Luke Getekee is is I just don't think he has what it takes to be a left guard in this league. I I think the transition from right side to left side and, and playing in the phone booth, it's just not really his, his thing. I could be wrong, but given the bucks cap situation, I, I think they're going to have to part ways with Donovan Smith just to save that money. It's just too appealing, right? I mean, it's it's just about $10 million you can save and, and uh, you know, and, and, if if you keep Donovan Smith and he underwhelms again, right? Then then you're going to uh, just end up losing him in free agency, and, and I don't I don't know if he's going to get a big deal. If he has two back to back bad years, he could you know his career could be in a bit of a downward spiral. Matter of fact, I think they can trade Donovan Smith. I think they can get, mm. get maybe a third or fourth for Donovan Smith. And, That's and true. Use why that not in just this draft.
1: why not just do that instead of cut him? Like why not get? Yeah, 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 him, yeah. You know. Yeah,
0: but I I think that. By doing that, and you get a guard like Steve Avia, you solve the interior once and for all. And you know what? Even if key is better off as, as a guard, maybe he's better as a right guard, and you replace Shaq Mason after this year. Because Mason, like Donovan Smith, is also entering a contract year. He had an okay season. I thought he was a, a good player for the Buccaneers. But, uh, you know, the Patriots got rid of him for a reason. Uh, I don't, you know, he's not a Pro Bowl caliber player, but... You, you might have to fill that need, so adding another interior lineman to the mix, uh, maybe that's that's the, the the move for the Bucks here in the second round.
1: I do always wonder, anytime New England makes a trade, it's like, all right, what do they know? Like, why are they getting rid of this guy? Because they typically like to trade players before they, you know, really, for lack of a better term, uh, fall off a cliff and. Right. I'm not saying that Shaq Mason has by any means, but I'm just curious if that's why New England decided to get rid of him or if there's a little bit more to the story. But, um, yeah, very, very intriguing pick in the second round. I know you're a third-round pick, Scott, and I'm about to uh, put the seven-round mock draft article uh, in this this chat so everyone can check it out if you haven't been on PeterReport.com just yet. But Carl Brooks was a guy that you were talking about Uh, but before the senior bowl started during the senior bowl, as it was going on and after, and Carl Brooks is uh, a very exciting guy, especially getting after getting to see him play live and you have him going the third round to Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah. The interesting thing about Brooks is just the pass rushing ability, right? If, If you look Matt at Will Golston, who is what 31 years old and didn't have a sack last year. And, you know, had, I think four and a half the year prior, he's, you know, Will's never going to be known as a, as a pass rushing defensive lineman by any means. But um, I, I do believe that, that you know, getting a younger player there that has more pass rush potential and the same thing with Akeem Hicks, right? Akeem Hicks, they thought they were going to get more of a pass rush than they had from Indomitian Sioux. And the reality of it is, is that wasn't the case. They actually had one sack from him, and that came in Week 18 against the Atlanta Falcons, last game of the season. So I, I think between those two guys, you have one sack. That's simply not good enough for Todd Bowles. They're going to want some some guys up front who can get to the quarterback. And if you look at at what uh, you know, Logan Hall is in the hopper. I think that he's a player that that, that is in the mix for that that type of uh, role in Tampa Bay that he can be a player that that can produce some pass rush, um, you're going to have to have somebody else. Carl Brooks was an edge rusher at, at Bowling Green. And the crazy thing is he played edge rusher at 300 pounds. And we even know that sometimes there's Logan Hall. We've seen him at, at as the edge guy. We've seen Vita Vea as the edge guy. you got Carl Brooks who can play inside where he did at the senior bowl and really thrived. Mm-hmm. Or you can uh, – you know, move him around as a bit of a chess piece, but this guy is a quick twitch lineman. Uh, He's 304 pounds right now. He's added some size. That's 25 pounds heavier right now than Logan Hall. So he can help you on the interior. And if you need him to rush, because remember that's where Akeem Hicks actually got his sack was as an edge rusher in that Falcons game in week 18.
1: Yeah. We know Todd Bowles loves versatility more than anything else.
0: 27 and a half career sacks, including 10 as a senior. So this seems like because of of the competition, uh, you know, he he was a Mac defender, right? So playing in the Mac, you're going up against some lesser competition, you know, Miami of Ohio, right? As, as opposed to the U, uh, Central Michigan, teams like that. But he did have a sack at Kansas State and, and also a sack at Tennessee. So he's, he's shown that he can play with some of the big boys as well.
1: Yeah, that's really important. And that's... For anyone from Bowling Green, some of the smaller schools, when you go to the Senior Bowl, that's what a lot of the scouts are looking for, is can you stay with these SEC and Big Ten guys? And Carl yeah. Brooks absolutely did um, Had some good pass rushing moves, like this quickness as well. And I don't think Akeem Hicks – I think it was good to you know try the experiment, get a cheaper D-lineman. It didn't necessarily pan out. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't fantastic either. So I don't think the Bucks will be regretting – not having Akeem Hicks next season if they don't decide to bring him back. So get younger on the D-line. Let it be Vita Vea and the rest of the group, and you can kind of get it moving from there. We do have a $2 Super Chat from uh, Teddy. Thank you, Teddy, for the $2 Super Chat. Teddy says, why was Luke Geteke moved from tackle to guard? Anyway, uh, I think a lot of it had to do with his size coming out of uh, Central Michigan. And this happened, this is very common uh for the NFL. There's a lot of times that a guy will play tackle in college and they'll kick him inside because you're yeah. playing against the best of the best. So size was a big thing. Um obviously they were set at tackle with yeah. um Donovan Smith
0: and Tristan. And, and also too it's it's arm length. G- 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 he did not have the longest arms. You know, that that's it's crazy what you know what uh, what what a little bit of, of arm length will do for a prospect, but You know, Gedeki doesn't have the longest arms, and and uh, but at the same time, um, he played well enough. He was talented enough from just from what he was able to do at Central Michigan to be a second round pick. And I I I think that he's going to get a shot at right tackle this year if they move Tristan Wurfs to left side to replace Donovan Smith. That those dominoes have to fall, right? You have to to have a want and a need to move Tristan from right to left, and that would be by letting Donovan Smith go. But again. Tristan Wirfs is just an uber-athlete, man. This guy is, is a phenomenal athlete. Remember, before the draft, he jumped out of a pool, and we've seen what he can do from the right side. Uh, I think he's got the athleticism to play on the left side, and I think the Buccaneers are curious about that.
1: He's almost too good at right tackle that he almost needs a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> Like, move over to left tackle, because he's accomplished yeah. everything that he needs to at right tackle.
0: Yep, exactly. So let's continue with our, our mock here. And uh, the Buccaneers don't have a fourth-round pick because they they traded that away to get Zion McCollum in the the fifth round last year. So in the fifth round, they're going to go back to the offense and get Israel Abanacanda, this guy, Abanacanda. Abanacanda is a fantastic runner out of Pittsburgh and really had a breakthrough year. Uh, The the Panthers really needed him, to after Kenny Pickett left for the NFL and Abana Kanda went from 651 yards and seven touchdowns in 2021 playing with Pickett to really being the workhorse of that offense, 1,431 yards, a six-yard average, and 20 touchdowns. He had a monster game against Virginia Tech where he scored six touchdowns and averaged 8.9 yards per carry while rushing for 320 yards against the Hokies. And he wasn't just a one-game wonder. He actually had 10 100-yard games, including six straight to end his college career at Pitt. As a matter of fact, I think he had 100 yards in every game except for two during his senior season. So he's a productive runner. This guy's faster than Rashad White. He is uh, just a, a blast out of a cannon. I mean, he's got some some deep speed where he's got enough size at 5'11, 215 to break some tackles. He forced uh, 46 missed tackles last year, according to Pro Football Focus. But Abana Kanda, this guy is a player I really slept on. I did not even, he wasn't even on my radar until after the season ended and, and the, the the pre-draft period began, you know, for, in my eyes. Good receiver out of the backfield, 38 career catches, 354 yards, a 9.3-yard average, three touchdowns. You can also return some kicks. He had a 98-yard kick return against Virginia. If you can get a day three running back like this, and this is a deep running back class, mm-hmm. this, this guy, Matt, he's the kind of guy you want to pair with. Rashad white for a little bit more oomph and gas in the, uh, in the tank. He can break off some big time runs for the bucks.
1: We talked about that. The bucks need more explosive players. That doesn't just limit them to wide receiver. They can absolutely get it at at running back too. to say he's faster than Rashad. White, I mean, first of all, baller numbers, baller numbers. And he's not a one hit wonder, but I do vividly remember (laughs) that Virginia tech game when he, uh, broke the long touchdown, just had a, a monster game. But as we know, looks like Leonard Fournette's gonna be out the building. Keyshawn Vaughn is what he is as a third, fourth, fourth string running back um in this league. So I'm all I'm still all for two headed monsters at in the backfield for the Bucks. That's uh that's kind of how it is in, in most of the NFL today. If you look at like Zeke and Tony Pollard with the yeah. Cowboys. So again, speed, speed, talent. Um and you know if he's if he was a Bell Cow, I think he would be okay transitioning to a um, part-time player as well. Cause that's what the NFL at running back is today. So yeah. very exciting well, player.
0: Th- they're not going to resign Giovanni Bernard. Right. And, yeah. and, and if they're going to cut Fournette, then you're left with Keyshawn Vaughn. They have to draft another running back to get a cheap runner to come in and, and help in the backfield. Uh, and you know, th- this guy can vibe, man, he can, he can vibe just like Celsius, just like the, oh, yeah. the new fantasy vibe the Arctic vibe, which is still one of my favorites, the tropical vibe, which I had the other day, and the peach vibe. Matt, you can't go wrong with any of the vibes. They just give you good vibes over at Celsius. They give you plenty of energy too, great flavors, great taste. Where can you find Celsius near you? Well, make sure you go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, put in your address, and find the nearest Celsius near you. Grab a couple cans. When you do try the ones you like and you find them, Go to Amazon, buy them in bulk, use the subscribe and save option. Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter report.
1: Yeah. Go to your local bodega and uh, bodega. Get it
0: that's what they're uh, all waiting for, Matt. If you just say bodega.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It, it felt great saying it. Um, let's get to the next pick in your second mock draft. Uh, another guy we are familiar with from the senior bowl. That yeah. is Thomas Incum And, uh, as we've seen from the Bucks, if this pick is to come to fruition, the Bucs love uh having the pipeline from a couple of schools. Washington comes to <laughs> mind with Kate Otten, Vita yeah. Veya, and Joe Trian Central Michigan is quickly becoming another one as well. You have Sean <laughs> oh. Murphy Bunting, Antonio those, Brown, obviously those not. Fan, drafted,
0: f- yeah, those fan favorites, right? Sean Murphy Bunting and Luke Gedicke, right? Yeah. Let's get another <laughs> Chippewa in the mix, right? That's what that's what they're thinking. But this guy really stood out to you. I think you might have been one of the first ones on him that first day. There, there he is going up against uh, Dewan Jones in his, like, 90-inch wingspan. Sorry, only 89 inches. But uh, Dewan Jones was a monster there. But Thomas Incombe, really kind of productive player, started his career at Valdosta State. Two years there, he had nine-and-a-half sacks as a freshman with four forced fumbles and a fumble recovery. And then the next year, which was a COVID-shortened season, he had three sacks in two games. And, uh, and then really kind of came into his own again as a senior at Central Michigan. Uh, 11 and a half sacks, forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, including a scoop and score. But uh, this guy, he wasn't even an edge rusher at the senior bowl, was he, Matt?
1: No, he moved on the inside, too. And uh, we got to give credit to Bailey Adams. He was one of the first guys that um, w- w- was a big fan of Inkoom. Uh, Spokes, That's right, yeah. at the senior bowl as well. And... And like, yeah, I'm down to run it back with Luke Getticke. So, um, I, I think in again, we always talk about versatility and yeah. I always go back to different position, obviously, but Robert Hainsey moving all around the offensive line at the senior bowl, really put him on the bucks. radar. That's right. Um, and then for income to do this as well, as you talked about before, Scott, that they move defensive linemen to the outside, they move outside linebackers to the inside. Um, I just think it's a really I, – I like the versatility. I like the power. I mean, as, as we're talking about pushing uh, Jones back there, he was one of the best offensive linemen. So yeah. he, if you get a good push on him, that's really saying something. Yeah. And uh, he made plays during the Senior Bowl. He definitely was a standout guy. So Yeah, I think Pop he had half a sack
0: in the game, 6'4", 260. You know, he's he's got a, a good body type to, to be an outside guy and hold the point of attack uh, to – set the edge on defense, and then, you know, if you want to kick him inside as a nickel rusher, right? I think that he showed that. I mean, he played essentially defensive tackle, or when they went to a three-man defensive line, he was, you know, a four-eye technique and really played over the tackle. Uh, So, you know, I was impressed with his physicality, even though technically he was out of position because he really wasn't that outside linebacker, that stand-up guy. All right, so the, the next guy we're going to talk about here is uh, another six-rounder because the Bucks have two six-rounders. This guy right here. Uh, this is Payne Durham, the tight end from Purdue. The only thing Payne Durham does really, really well is catch touchdowns. He has 21 touchdowns in his four years for the Boilermakers, including 14 over the past two seasons. Uh, he had eight last year. He is what you would call a steady Eddie at tight end. I think Kate Otten's probably a little bit more dynamic of a playmaker, a guy that can stretch the field. If you look at the average from Payne Durham at Purdue, he averaged 10 yards a catch. These were his averages 9.1 as a freshman, 10.4 as a sophomore, 10.4 as a junior, 10 as a senior. So, <laughs> what you're going to get with this guy is a chain mover but a real weapon inside the red zone. And Cam Brate was that guy for the Buccaneers for many years, Matt, right? But he's going to be a cap casualty. They're going to need another guy that just knows how to get open and can do the little things like like box out the, the DBs or the linebackers, create some space, and go up and get the ball. This guy made some fantastic catches in Mobile.
1: He did. I was going to say, it's so funny because the first two days of practice at the Senior Bowl, there were a lot of complaints that the tight ends just were not involved at all. It was a lot of uh, the wide receivers and running backs. But that third day.
0: Thursday, man. Wow. It was
1: was the Payne Durham show. I remember specifically he made a, of course, it was a touchdown catch with two defenders on him and his helmet came off after absorbing the hit. He beat the double team using his size, using some of that athleticism. At the end of practice too, they had a uh you know 1v1 with all, all the players around watching. Right. And he beat his guy deep, like you know, multiple steps ahead, made a great catch, um, over the middle. I I think you know, fairly big body size. The Bucks need another athletic tight end that can make catches. They need that red zone threat. I don't think Kate Otten, while more dynamic in general didn't really become that red zone threat until the latter half of the season. Right. And, um and they're going to need another one with, with cam rate, probably not being back and co is more of a fullback than anything else uh, on this team. And I know the bucks, a lot of the times they like to bring an extra offensive tackle on a tight end, but right. I'm down to get another tight end in the mix. I saw someone complaining about another tight end, but if you're getting a sixth round tight end, you're not necessarily, you know, you're not, you're not, Spending a ton of capital on tight end.
0: Yeah, and the thing too is 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 you know you're you're not going to bring back Cam Brayton just because of the cap money that you need to save. Uh, you're not going to bring back Kyle Rudolph. He you know he's done. He's cooked. So uh, are they going to add a veteran tight end? I could see that, but adding another day three tight end, you're you're going to get a, a cheap guy from a salary cap standpoint and a guy with some upside, right? A guy that that can that can make. Some plays happen and score some points. Remember, the Buccaneers coming off an 18.2 scoring average per game last year. they got to get in the red zone. they got to get in the end zone, and once they're in the red zone, make something happen. This guy, 21 touchdowns. He had four as a freshman, three as a sophomore, six as a junior, and eight as a senior. Uh, Payne Durham is a guy that really burst on my radar, Uh, and he had had some great games too. The Tennessee game was, was massive, the bowl game. Uh, so I, I think this guy is, is a, he's, he's a, a pretty interesting prospect to round out the mock. Tell uh, us about him. All right. Uh, Malik Knowles from Kansas state. It would, it'd would be great if I sized this, this photo correctly. Apparently I didn't, but uh, Malik Knowles, listen, I wanted to give the Buccaneers a wide receiver in the first mock draft we did with Zay Flowers. He was in the first round. The Buccaneers, they're going to have some compensatory picks, Matt. They're going to have a, a fifth-round compensatory pick. They're going to have a seventh. So they're going to get a couple more picks. If they trade Donovan Smith for a third or fourth-round pick, they'll have another pick, right? So the next mock draft probably comes out after the the uh, the combine and we will probably wait until the compensatory picks are announced. That makes the mock more realistic. And if Tampa Bay has two more picks, they'll probably get a receiver prior to the seventh round. But here it is, the seventh round. Needed to give the Buccaneers a receiver. I went with somebody I know. And I'll tell you what, if they do draft Malik Knowles from Kansas State in the seventh round with their last pick, this would be well worth it because this guy can flat out play. He was held back because Skylar Thompson was opt injured at Kansas State. And let's face it, with Deuce Vaughn, that's number 22, the little guy you see there in, uh, in the picture. Uh, Kansas State was a run-first team. And so Malik Knowles didn't have the opportunity to really shine as a receiver. He does come with some warts. He's a big body, 6'3, 200 pounds. Doesn't always play that big though. There were plenty of times where, you know, he wouldn't really go up and get the ball and kind of like let some interceptions happen. So that's that's something he's got to really work on. Um, never had more than four touchdowns in a season. That his that came during his his uh, fourth year with the team because uh, he was a fifth year he got that COVID year 29 catches 441 yards and four touchdowns as a senior That during his super senior season Kansas State passed the ball more with Will Howard and Adrian Martinez he had a career high 48 catches 725 yards and two touchdowns but he averaged about 15 yards per catch so he does have the ability to stretch the field he's very fast he had three kickoff returns for touchdowns. So in the seventh round, Matt, you're looking for guys that can help you on special teams. He averaged 27.7 yards per kickoff return on 61 kickoff returns in his career. He was an all big 12 kickoff return guy. So that's where he can help you. Oh, and by the way, you like end rounds. If you like the Scotty Miller end rounds that you know, were kind of uh, in vogue for a little bit, Malik Knowles, he had eight carries for 164 yards last year and three touchdowns on end arounds. That's a 20.5 yard average. He ended up averaging 12.2 yards per carry on, uh, over 30 end arounds and he scored four touchdowns. So this guy is a playmaker, get the ball in his hands. He can get something done. I, he was probably the best of the bunch in the seventh round. That's why I went with him, Matt, but, you know, help out in special teams. You he can help you out in in the. I uh, hear you as a speed, developmental receiver.
1: Speed explosiveness. Let's yeah. remember, Bucks got Grant Stewart, Mister Irrelevant, two years ago. Yeah, he was a great special teams yeah. player. They ended up trading him to the Colts. But I mean, if, if anyone hits in the seventh round, even yeah. if it's on special teams, that's a win for your. Uh, front yeah. office, so well. G. G
0: Vegas here always got to grab somebody from Kansas State, Scott. Well, listen, th- there was two guys back-to-back mocks. We had Felix Anduque Ozama, who was a fantastic edge rusher in the first one. And there have been plenty of years in my 28 years, I do not put any Kansas State Wildcats in the mock drafts. <laughs> so, I think we had Tyler Lockett back in 2015 in, in like the second round, and and guess what? He was it was down to Tyler Lockett and Ali Marpet for that second round pick. So. <laughs> I'm only going to stand on the table for K-State guys when they're good, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Josh Freeman, not good. I knew he was going to be the pick because of Raheem Morrison, Mark Dominic, but I really didn't stand on the table for Josh Freeman. I wasn't really like excited about that selection, per se. So we'll see. Uh, the only other guy that I would put in there was Julius Brantz from from uh, Kansas State, the cornerback, who had a pretty good senior bowl, Matt. Mm-hmm. Good he career, didn't. Kansas State, four picks last year. He is a Todd Bowles-type corner. I'm not going to put Deuce Vaughn in any of, of the mocks. I like Deuce as a player. He's a Barry Sanders-esque type running back, feast or famine type guy, but he's five five man. I hope
1: he has uh, like a Darren Sproles career to continue he, it with, with Kansas He
0: probably State. would have to be a return specialist. And the funny thing is he didn't really do any returns at K-State. Yeah, Malik, right. Malik Doles was the guy doing the returns. So it wasn't even like Deuce has the special teams ability that Sproles had. So. You know, we'll see. So there's the mock draft, Matt. Uh, Hopefully Buccaneer fans aren't aging uh, prematurely from all of the the angst and worry over the offensive coordinator position that has yet to be filled. Right. A lot of drama there. But if you feel like you are aging prematurely, there's one place to go to.
1: As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women.
0: I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy.
1: I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt.
0: I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time.
1: Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now.
0: Got all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait.
1: Call age rejuvenation today.
0: Do it now. Don't wait. That's the best advice in that whole commercial. That's not about shopping, folks. It's it's about feeling better. And if that lady feels like she can shop all day, then God bless her. That's great. But for me, I don't like to shop that much, but I do like to feel better. And I'm going to be 51 in about two months. And I don't feel like I'm 51. I feel like I'm 41. I feel like I'm about 10 years younger. John Gilmore. Feels like he could play another 10 years in the league. That's the, it's a current picture too, by the way, of, uh, of a good friend of mine and former Bucks tight end, John Gilmore, who's a spokesperson for age rejuvenation. Go to agerejuvenation.com, get your testosterone uh, checked. You can sign up for a free complimentary, no obligation, no risk consultation, and they'll check your, your testosterone levels. If, if you feel like you need a boost and you want to get the testosterone therapy, it's a great place to have it done. I've had it done myself there. And uh, you can save $500 right now by mentioning Pewter Report. So it's, it's a fantastic opportunity if you want some weight loss to, uh, to kick off the new year. They also have weight loss options for men there that don't involve testosterone therapy, but five Tampa Bay area locations, agerejuvenation.com.
1: All right. That's about going to do it for us. Uh, just want to remind everybody. Because we love the Peter people and we thank you guys so much. If you're not already doing so, make sure you follow us on our social media uh, at Peter Report on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you like uh, the podcast and, and various clips that we have on our YouTube channel, subscribe to Peter Report TV. Uh, we got over 10K a little while ago. Really appreciate that. And now we're onwards and upwards to yeah. $11,000. Uh, just a reminder for everybody yesterday's show was at 4 p.m., today's show is at 4 p.m. The next two nights, we will be having shows. They are prime time, baby. They are prime time at 7 p.m. So one more time to schedule for each week. We might change sometimes, like when we're at the Combine. But Monday and Tuesday at 4, Wednesday and Thursday at 7. So until then, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. We will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast.
0: Out. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. The V is for Valentine's. There you go.